Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Duncan Mackay and we're going to guitar. Uh, I'm joined on today's episode by Craig Cairns. How are you doing, Craig? I love that positive intro. How are you doing, Duncan? I'm, I'm well, I'm well. I have to, you know, about this time last year, I made a, a, a ridiculous claim about not wanting to do anything with Scotland. And uh, I'm, uh, I, I, uh, Steve Clark has got it bent right up me, basically. Is and uh, how the last year has gone, and now you're uh, fully behind endorsing modern slavery. Exactly, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bring, bring in Saudi Arabia, bring in, you know, yeah, like let's let's do it all. Let's like human rights abuses are for for losers. You know, that's a, you know, lefties, soft lefties, yeah, lefties. <laughs> yeah snowflakes, and um, no, obviously, Qatar is horrific and it shouldn't be happening. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, but. We're going. Scotland are going to be there, probably, maybe seventeen percent chance. I think is the latest uh, latest things because we absolutely bodied Israel on uh, well Saturday tea time. Yeah, uh, I think the the five pm kickoff caught a few people, including Robert Borthwick, unawares. Um, and well, I, I'm, I'm, there's no point in me talking about because I wasn't there, but you bloody were, Craig Cairns. How was your evening? I think you're right in saying that we battered them, but the scoreline didn't reflect how much better we were on, especially in that second half. I would say, I, obviously, they they deserved their lead in the first half because we were guff. But my day and night overall, it was great. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, I went to the game thinking it was going to be another one of these really boring matches between Scotland and Israel, and in the end, I mean, even if it had finished two two, it was an absolutely amazing game to be at the, the the full crowd the noise and then to have the last minute winner which is far and away the best way to win a football match uh unless it's Liechtenstein in the 97th minute um <laughs> i think it was it was just it was just the cherry on the cake of a really a really great evening because like i say we it was a full house for the first time at Hamden for ages it was a really entertaining game of football there was incident there was goals and then just to top it all off we got that last minute winner and we've put ourselves in a really good position to get into a, a playoff spot now yeah it's amazing uh, it's much better to have a terrible first half and a much better second half than the other way round uh, as as someone that was at Hibs Dundee United in the, on, in the cup a few weeks ago can testify um, and uh, I, yeah it was just a, 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 a bizarre thing to be there seems to be just a, a joie de vivre about the Scotland sport at the moment like we we, we, we now have I mean, we always had likable players. Like I think that's all. Like for the most part, you know, I don't think you can say anything in the last 
20, 30 years of Scottish football that there hasn't been likeable players. But um, this feels that we've got likeable players that uh, that are wanting to succeed and are willing to go beyond themselves to 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 do that. And it, feel, it feels ambitious and it feels that everyone's kind of in step and you can, uh, you know, the, the fans are united with the players, the players, there doesn't seem to be any crazy EU maniacs. Uh, you know, we've got a manager who uh, can kick fuck out of all of us, um, but we're, we, that we're, we're terrified of, but, but secretly respect, like we all probably had that teacher at school. Um, and yeah, it just, it just feels great for once. <laughs> like it feels, uh, it's a strange one to come on to, a Monday pod and and be full of positivity, but that guy's kind of where we are. Um, I suppose should we should we just start go through the game because it had it had a lot. Um, how were you, how were you feeling about uh, the team when it was announced? Any, any huge surprises there for you? I was surprised that Patterson started. Um, I thought that, as I said on Friday's Patreon, I I think there's a good argument for saying that Nathan Patterson's a better player right now than Stephen O'Donnell, but the O'Donnell's barely let us down he's barely let Steve Clark down especially in that last game against Austria he was very good and we got a, 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 a very important result in that match so I was surprised that he changed it but it worked out in the end to speak about Patterson uh, individually I think I saw afterwards that he was getting a lot of stick and I think most of it was aimed at his first half performance which I think it was fair but I think I thought it was similar I thought it was like a continuation of what he did against Moldova where he did a lot of good things he was involved in our goal and he also gave the ball away a lot and made a lot of mistakes that young players do. We've managed to harness the good stuff that he's done in this half and get out. I mean, he wasn't directly responsible for any goals uh, we conceded or anything like that, but um, we we managed to cover up his flaws and still put a, a winning performance in there. And uh, yeah, like I say, I think I think looking at it after the match and looking at his overall performance, I think it was a bit harsh, some of the criticism on him. But I do think he was one of the players who struggled in the first half and grew into the game. I thought McTominay was like that as well. I was surprised to see Henry in the centre of the defence, although he does play that for Bruges. Maybe not so much him being in the centre of defence, more that it was a ball-playing defender like Jack Henry, Kieran Tierney a left-back, and Scott McTominay a midfielder. Um, because... Clark. It doesn't quite fit. <laughs> yeah, well, well it's, it worked though. But Clark hasn't always played. He's gone between the stopper being on the right and being in the centre. So, I want, yeah. so, so Jack Hendry being in the centre in and of itself isn't uh, isn't like a, a weird move from Clark or anything because Hanley has played that right centre back role before. Um, but yeah, I was surprised with with the makeup of the defence. But maybe Clark's thinking there was we should or we will have a lot of the balls. So I want. I want ball players, basically. Yeah, uh, and I mean, you say it wasn't wasn't a great start, uh, a great first half. It, it just wasn't a good start from Scotland. Um, the the they leading the fourth minute uh, as a Javi again, that guy with uh, uh, a superb free kick. Let's be honest, but I think you saw the frailty, the frailty, and lead up to that. I mean, that was players getting uh, that players coming out of position and, and and the like to give away the free kick in the first place and then the wall disintegrates uh like a, like a cheap i don't know something that something that falls apart very quickly there was something lying um, there was someone yeah. lying on the floor though yeah yeah so i mean yeah that's all good but uh so it was yeah it was kind of like oh oh here here we go again and i think going back to your point about um patterson and mctominay and things like that like there's so much 
which, uh, well, I suppose it's, it's natural, right? Because everyone, not everyone, but lots and lots of people in Scotland want to see the Scotland team do well. But it also means that you've got an awful lot of people with opinions. Um, and some of them aren't, uh, some of them are clearly um, seen through the prism of their own club. I've yeah. seen Celtic fans over the last few days criticising Gilmore and saying he's shite. And that, I mean, that can't come from anywhere other than being a Celtic fan and this former Rangers youth is doing well. If you've got any criticism of Billy Gilmore, you can just fuck off. Any mistakes like, really. he's made, like, he makes. He's, he's still like, a kid. He just, yeah, yeah, and but he's 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 so good. He's fucking unbelievable. He's going to be able to like build like he's just going to be a mainstay. He's just going to be. That, he, you can just tell already. You know, touch wood. You know, uh, nothing happens to him because that's a, that's a player that you can build an intact. Like that's a talisman. Uh, that is not just about, not got the right uh, not just about the right attitude but the the absolute potential to be to world class but again going back to yeah Patterson and McTominay and stuff like that, that and also again there's this element that there's a there's a, there's a, there's a especially watching Scotland there's a lot of scoreboard uh, kind of journalism and analysis around it and you know that makes sense and you can you can see it in the other way it's gone kind of the other way in the last two days and people going completely overboard about how good the team this is it, we are we are very promising like I said I put a tweet out on Saturday night being like this, that was a tan- the second half was a tantalising glimpse into what we could be but we have to sustain that like, there's no point there's no point in being that good for 45 minutes you know once a year like you you need to sustain it but and, and it looks like we've got the players that can do that but that, that that's fine um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the first half Scotland were just a little bit ragged, um, and but then they get back into the game with just an incredible goal from John McGinn. Yeah, and the build-up before it as well. Andy Robertson, who I have been critical of in the past, and I'm not one of these people who thinks that he should turn up and perform like he does for Liverpool. I'm not that naive. I'm not that stupid. But it was just more it was game after game where we were seeing him put shot like get in the box and have a good chance to score and put it over the bar I've seen him miss that chance several times and him, him failing to put in good deliveries and all this kind of stuff it, it, it was becoming a while since he had done something productive in the last third for, for Scotland uh, maybe somebody will correct me on that but it felt like it anyway and this match he was unbelievable he was unbelievable I said before the end of the game that I thought he was the man of the match and I think I, I think it's difficult for him to burst through the middle Fain to play the pass left and kind of drive inside to the space and then play a a, a, a sort of uh, not not the most aesthetically pleasing one too with Chi Adams, but then got the ball to McGinn, <laughs> who I didn't I didn't appreciate it until I saw it afterwards just how good a finish it is because I think I've I think I've probably watched about 12, 15 times. There's no like pace in the ball; he stops the ball yeah. dead with his first touch and then just yeah, the lift he gets on it's absolutely sensational. It's it's a it's a great goal, but. What annoyed me most about the game was we conceded immediately after that or a couple of minutes after it. And then not only that, when we equalised the second time, we gave them their only chance of that second half and it was a free header from about six yards, uh, maybe a wee bit further out actually, cabs at the other end of the pitch. And we're lucky that's right at Gordon because that, yeah. that guy's been on form for about three years now, Zahavi, and he... he, he he usually gobbles those chances up. So we got really lucky there. And I don't know what it is about 
I think it's t- immediately I, after scoring. Yeah, I think it's a <laughs> yeah. I think it's a terribly overused cliche. I think it just gets pointed out every time it happens, rather than it actually being teams being vulnerable after they score. Okay, maybe when teams score, they think right, we'll we'll get calm for five seconds and they invite pressure on themselves. Maybe maybe that's the case. But people saying, oh, how often do we see it happen? Well, not that often. Probably about like a split percentage of the time we see it happen, if that. And. Um, so, it just, so yeah, but it just so happens it might happen to Scotland. <laughs> yeah, it happened to Scotland. It and, almost yeah, happened to us twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think as good as the the McGinn goal was to to then uh, have the Boer score, the Boer, the Boer, the Boer. Uh, I think you're right the first time uh, that you know that within two minutes uh, and the manner in which it's scored as well like it's just like it's just messy and it's just it's unnecessary because you should be at this point um you know the easiest thing to do should be to be def- defending set pieces and 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 things like that like it's just um just yeah disappointing a bit of a mess uh and then scotland even make it more more difficult for themselves just before half time where we get a, a penalty which he gave it as a penalty. I, I I think there's there is argument for the for the fact that the foul contact was outside the box. I think not complaining because it was ra- reckless. What are you doing? Like, no, I agree. Um, I said at the same time. I, I didn't notice at the time, but uh, I just commented at the time on how wild a challenge it was. But when I saw the replays afterwards, I had the same thought as you. There, the contact is outside the box, but then Gilmore somersaults into the box as a he's carried into the box yeah so I mean I know the rule is that if the foul continues or the contact continues into the box and it can be a a penalty even if the first contact's outside the box but that's usually when the defender's chasing the the attacker from behind not sending him over his head from from goal side so yeah it was a strange one I've never seen the I don't recall seeing the law applied like that before because I only saw it in the pub a couple of replays afterwards. I didn't like look at it forensically, so maybe there is a bit of contact in the box before he kind of slides out. But it looked to me as if he contacted it in the D and then he kind of falls into the box because of it. But yeah, I'm not complaining. I mean, it's, the sort of, it's the sort of thing that uh, I don't actually have a problem being given a penalty just so uh, so someone doesn't act so recklessly in the future. Because it was like, is it, that, I mean, that was, that was the thing that Gilmore had to be brave to take that challenge. You know, if he does, if he uh, sort of, backs out of that a little bit he could probably get himself quite hurt even more so than the, the, there was a potential for him if uh, going in at full, plat, full base but then uh, Lyndon Dykes uh, does what Lyndon Dykes does and uh, just do the same thing over and over again and and offer Marciano was was wise to a really really disappointing penalty and I, I don't know because uh, I was just watching on moan um, but I'd imagine that felt such a deflating moment at, uh, at Hamden it wasn't only that it was it took so long to take the penalty and that's that kind of sportsmanship does my head in um, you could see that's clearly what they were doing now usually most of the time it's just the goalkeeper doing it but they, there was like four or five of them round the referee for a long long time before this penalty was taken and Lyndon Dykes put the ball on the spot far too early and stood waiting to take his run up well before because then and I don't know why goalkeepers uh, sorry referees do this but once they've cleared all that and then they've moved the goalkeeper back to his line they then go back over and say don't come off your line it's like, if, the, if the goalkeeper doesn't know this by now he shouldn't be playing <laughs> so and if he does after trying to delay the penalty for so long then any kind of 
suspicion of him coming off his line, then fucking retake it because they're just absolutely yeah. taking the piss. I, I realise I sound like one of those fans who's just calling for some sort of rule change because something's gone against his team, but it is something that really does my head and that... Um, like kicking up penalty spots and all this kind of stuff. There's a there's a there's a lot of really kind of bad sportsmanship that goes on with. Uh, I, th- I think that, I think the Israelis are a particularly bad sporting team in that regard. But again, if it was Scotland players doing it, I probably wouldn't be complaining <laughs> that much. So like I'm a, like I think just be a, a kind of total hypocrite about it to be honest. Yeah, maybe we all are, so, aren't yeah, we? But so, just another thing on the sportsmanship yeah. though was the I, I, the first time I clocked them time wasting was about 17 minutes into the game, and then they did it for pretty much the entire second half and then they went on the attack in injury time and I said to Tony fuck off they're going to they're going to benefit <laughs> from this injury time that they've commu- accumulated haven't they and then luckily it was us that did it. I thought that was quite a good a good bit of justice in the end and I say that after we got a lot of decisions that went our way but I thought that was quite a good bit of justice in the end that they built up all this injury time trying to frustrate us and it, it ended up coming back to bite them yeah, I know, and, and so I suppose uh, then we go on to what, what was the the best part of the game. Really, was the next forty five minutes where Scotland were vibrant. They were great in possession. They were recycling possession. You know, I think that I was listening to to Leanne Crichton talking about uh, Scotland. Uh, you know, after the game, and she was talking about that that, that she never didn't feel that. Uh, that we were in danger, if you're, you know, in terms of because when we were recycling the ball, we weren't just trying to lump it. Like there was there was precision to what we were trying to do, and uh, and that we were trying to create different sorts of chances. Um, I mean, I I was being probably more a fatalistic Scotland fan by that by <laughs> by about the seventieth minute. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so we get we kind of get. It's not we didn't get a break, but VAR helped us. Uh, well, the VAR helped helped the referee reach the correct decision. Um, which was uh, Lyndon Dyke scoring with the, the basically his, his studs. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, the sort of goal that uh, looks <laughs> looks inelegant, um, but then Dykes is not really that bothered about looking elegant when uh, if it means he can score or assist like he has done uh, in the championship and, and things like that. And it was uh, it was the right thing that like, you know, he, he couldn't have got there quicker to make a diving header or or anything like that. Uh, and yeah, VAR helped us in, in regards that the referee's initial decision was to rule it out, um, and then went and had a look and saw that uh, the Israelis were, were at it um, again. It was yeah, it was because it it was such a clever finish because it, like it, it, there was no chance for it. The way that uh, it was pushed into the net it just gave Marciano no chance. Yeah, I think the. Um what was aesthetically pleasing about the goal was the cross and we had a perfect view of the arc on it he hit it so well he just hit it so true and perfect and it was it was it was just put in the perfect area as well and the incident i think i think if uh, if that guy is what is it like a 75% no i'm not I'm not going to do the percentages but he's at a little bit of an incline i think yeah. if he's a wee bit higher then it's maybe it's maybe deemed high feet I think it's maybe just at the threshold. I don't know where the threshold is, but it didn't look like he was far from. He wasn't could, far from being standing the, up straight. You can see the argument if if there was any contact. If there was there contact, yeah. so I think that I mean that's the th- like that he was having to lunge at that height because he'd mis he'd misjudged where Dykes was and Dykes managed to, to lose him, but not lose him enough to to be able to dive <laughs> dive for it himself. Yeah, and one of the things that you kind of mentioned there that I wanted to touch on was the chances we create. 
I think there's real progress being made with this team. You can see the progress. You can see that it still has its um, flaws, but I think that's one of the I think that's one of the exciting things about this team is that it looks like real progress this time. It looks like we're actually building towards something. And yeah. one of the one of the products of that, or one of the good signs of that, is the amount of chances we create. And I don't trust me in this game. We are quite a good team at creating chances now, and that's not something that I've associated with Scotland in the past. Moldova, we we were shite. Let's be honest, we were shite, and it was a it was a poor result, only beating them one 0 at home. But we still created a lot of chances in that game, and I think I think that's I know it's only Moldova, but I, I think there's I think game after game now. We are a team that creates chances, and I think, well, that that's the first that's the first day, uh, uh, the first path on the route to uh, to scoring lots of goals, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we're also we're also really helped by you know previously we had kind of confident strikers, if that makes it, you know, forwards that 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 maybe uh, got in their heads a little bit too much and stuff. The good thing is with Lyndon Dykes, he just doesn't care, like you know that uh, that you know. You could maybe ascribe that to to him not 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 being the smartest guy in the world or whatever, but like he like he misses quite a lot of good chances, but that doesn't stop him being there around in it for the next one. And you know, like we, it was the sixty first minute first minute of that header. I mean, he really should have buried that. But at the same time, is it it doesn't it didn't phase him. It wasn't like or the the head dropped because we've seen that far too often from from Scotland players, and and that was. Kind of the point that, that Leanne Crichton was making about the fact that there wasn't a case of giving up on ideas and and just just going for the lump in the cross ball, uh, which has happened probably far too often under yeah exactly managers. Put so Jack Kendry up front and shell it to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but even so, uh, it, now I suppose we're getting to the, towards the end. John McGinn misses a glorious chance in the 87th minute. Um, fair play to the Scotland fans for still enjoying the fact that the, the linesman fell down. That was uh, that was uh, audible uh, massively on 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 the coverage uh, and to be very much welcomed. I don't think for you that, see it on the live footage, do you? You just hear the no, way no, go up. The crowd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was right in front uh, of us. And that, but that that's the sort of thing I suppose is that uh, <laughs> if we really want to, think, like you know, again, this thing of uh, we think we're we're getting better. But if we really want to be good, that's the sort of, like you don't miss those chances. You, you know that that's that's where we need to be to uh, to not just be close to qualifying or qualifying for tournaments, but get to tournaments and getting out of groups because you don't like that's the thing is you don't get you, you can't miss those chances and then expect to to make the second phase of of, of tournaments. Um, but again, that, that's kind of churlish at this stage now to to to, to be going at, uh, after. It. And then we then. I suppose, yeah. What 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 part of the body are we saying that uh, Scott McTominay scored with? His cock, a Nadi esque <laughs> finish with his cock. I, I thought I thought it was more torso, but I can. Um, um, yeah, I think I, it kind of rolls. Know. It looks like it rolls from his knee up his body, like up half his body, and you can see him shit himself for a second because he thinks it's maybe going just too high, because <laughs> his <laughs> his hand almost comes up a wee bit, um, and then uh, it was incredible. Incredible corner from from again. Oh yeah, it really was uh, to to make it happen. And yeah, just uh, if you've not heard Ali McCoy's commentary on it, well, obviously, like some people might not have because they were at the game. But yeah, you should really search out because he, he was essentially all of the rest of us at that point. Uh, just absolutely delighted, and and Hamden just looked like it was going mental. Yeah, it was a it was a moment of 
enjoyable unprofessionalism from Ali McCoy. I think uh, obviously 99% of the time you want to be professional in that job, but moments like that where you are you are you're basically a supporter um commentating for all the other Scotland supporters then I think you can excuse that kind of thing and he celebrated it and then realised his duties is to talk about the goal and <laughs> I don't even know who scored it <laughs> and I think somebody he clarifies with somebody next to him or something it's, it's brilliant it's absolutely amazing and just the it, you talked about McGinn's corner um, he put in a lot of good deliveries and our set pieces were weird. We started the game with Scott McTominay on a corner and it was a terrible, terrible hit. We had Lyndon Dykes and somebody else trying long throws. It was it was very bizarre. I don't know why McGinn wasn't yeah, on Austin, the corners Austin earlier. McPhee, Austin McPhee, Austin McPhee, McPhee <laughs> exactly. Although Austin McPhee got us a last minute winner though, Duncan. Yeah, I know. Well, that's finally he's come good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, I think it is, there's just a just a real sense of upbeatness <laughs> like that is the only thing that can that can describe it and it's uh it's one of those things where the qualification for the for the playoffs is now in our own hands which is a nice you know nice position to be and it's but it's not a uh, in pre- under previous scottish re- <laughs> regimes uh it would feel slightly terrifying i don't feel that i, I don't get that sense at the moment i feel that there's just a uh, quiet confidence about uh, around Steve Clark and, our, and around the players yeah I mean I think this is still going to be a tricky game this this next one yeah so uh, well, I suppose let's transition to talking about uh, about the game against the Pharaohs away um, uh, yeah I don't think it, I, I mean obviously we beat them 4-0 in March um, but I don't I don't know if you can really uh, I don't think the Pharaohs home and away is really, you know, like the uh, was away from home is a completely different proposition to the, the Pharaohs at home. And they have improved greatly over the last uh, 10 years or so. Like I think that, you know, the, the, they're, they are seeing the investment in, in in facilities, but, and also high quality coaching. They're, they're never going to be like, you know, if, if, uh, Iceland was a miracle then the Fair Islands to reach a major tournament it would be like a miracle times 10 because it's just like because the population just doesn't exist but it doesn't mean that they can't make things very very difficult for Scotland yeah it took Denmark 85 minutes to open the scoring against them when they went there and we know how good Denmark are Denmark yeah. blow teams I mean, that, away so I think this is our, our 11th game against the Pharaohs we've uh, won eight and drawn ten, so uh, drawn two so far. I was going to say that'd be um, some horrendous and, and, record, and, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, and and the two have been, uh, you know, in the Pharaohs. Um, you know, I, it's not, it's not. I don't think it's one for to be complacent. I, I would. Uh, well, what are your thoughts around uh, how how Steve Clark should play? I think in terms of squad selection. I'm not entirely sure what he's good. I, I was wrong about Saturday's lineup, so I, I'm sort of second guessing myself here. I think he will bring Hanley back in. I don't I know. I think that's a very sensible. I, I would do no nonsense as <laughs> I, much as possible. I don't know game. what he's going to do to accommodate that. Now, he's already without well, Shea Adams, Adams out as well. Like, so, so yeah, he yeah. could restructure his team so that he keeps the same players. You, you could see a scenario. McGinn's played as a second striker for us before. Um, he could also see that as a good way. I mean, I'd imagine they're going to be quite defensive against us, and maybe, maybe an extra attacker isn't the way to necessarily do it. Maybe having more 
bodies further back is a good way uh, to kind of to, 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 to draw draw the pharaohs out yeah yeah or just yeah just have more going on um uh, in front of their in front of their press basically or their lack of press but um I, to be honest I'm just guessing at this point I, I mean I, I am almost I'm pretty sure that he'll bring Hanley back in but like I said I don't know what he'll do about it because you could see a scenario where McTominay moves into midfield I don't think he'll drop McTominay um, with him being on a high um, it'd be harsh yeah it would it'd be fair harsh then you've got the option to keep the same team and push McGinn forward a bit um, the other thing could be the other factor could be Callum McGregor's fitness although we've said this before about Callum McGregor and he just plays he just plays 90 minutes twice a week forever because he was injured going into this doubleheader not long before going into this doubleheader so whether he's got another 90 minutes in him I don't know uh, he rested him for the Moldova game I remember but that was a triple header so I don't know I really don't know I, I, my if you were wanting to pin me down on predicting the lineup, uh, what I said before uh, McTominay pushing it to midfield Hanley coming in and, and McGinn going a bit further forward but it's just as likely Christie comes in for Adam because he really likes Christie he came off the bench there he, I thought he struggled to get into the game a little bit but then he created a, our best chance in the second half for McGinn so um, yeah he's a big fan of Christie not just for what he can do on the ball but he's a very hard worker off the ball as well yeah I, I think I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, he did swap out O'Donnell uh, for uh, bringing uh, bringing O'Donnell for Patterson as well just just as a keeping people fresh and keeping people on their toes as well although I, you know I can see the arguments for and against doing that as well but um, I think that uh, we there's, no, there's a risk we don't want to overexpose Patterson as well. Like I, people might have different views on that, and I th- but uh, you, know, I think that um, Clark is fairly loyal to his pl- is fairly loyal to the players. So whether we see that in terms of squad rotation or not is going to be interesting because he is clearly really happy with what he is building at the moment. You, I mean, you saw that you saw that in the the celebration. You, know, I think we sort of like you. Know, it's very rare. We only saw it a few times at Kilmarnock with, with Steve Clark when he uh, let himself go, and we we definitely saw that on on Saturday evening uh, for the celebration. But you know, he'd, he'd even by by the time he got to the press conference, he'd calmed down and was back back to business. Um, so again, it's yeah, it's it's one of those things you just don't. You, I, I just don't ever see Steve Clark being complacent about these sorts of games. So I think that he, he might have he might he might have a different plan up his sleeve. I totally agree because you were talking about how we beat them 4-0 at home. He has today been playing down that result, saying it wasn't a 4-0 game. He said that we put a bit of gloss on it towards the end. So you can already see that he's... Ugh, managing expectations is the wrong word to use there because I think I think uh, we expect to win and there's nothing to manage there. But um, he, I think he's trying to play down their their minnow status that they may be the, the perception of them as absolute minnows that they used to be like in the, the, the like, like Moldova or, or Andorra or San Marino or something like that when they're not they're like they're like the next level up they won their Nations yeah. League group last year didn't have great teams in it uh, one of them already mentioned Andorra I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head it was like Latvia and somebody else so not great teams but it's shown you that but they are capable in front of you as well yeah there was lots of draws in that group but you can you can see that they're capable of of getting results that they maybe wouldn't have in the past, and, and that include that one um, 0 defeat 
to Denmark because that's that's a very respectable result for them they're given because Denmark have smashed pretty much everybody since the Euros haven't they yeah pretty much they've been on a, they've been on a just a little bit of a tear really um, so I think it's, it's a difficult one I think we, that you know, if we leave with a 1-0 win and another last minute effort yeah it might be a hard watch but again you know, I think there's a difference between Scotland sometimes being a hard watch when we're going away to places that are that we know are going to be difficult and being a hard watch when you know I suppose the Moldova match, <laughs> like at home, was was a hard watch. In, in the other way, where we we are making it tough for ourselves, whereas this the opposition will be uh, hugely disciplined and there to frustrate us. And I think that uh, we're just probably just going to have to get our head down and just get the, get the job done. And then that just means that we just have to fully concentrate on Moldova. Um, hopefully beat Moldova and pick up uh, numerous yellow cards and then we can just uh, the, the game against Denmark can be a bit of a party for both teams and uh, and I don't know uh, we'll give we'll give everyone that hasn't been capped in the squad a bit of a run out and so in, in terms of Tuesday night just no early red cards and no letting a teacher score a double please well <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can only hope we can only hope uh, and so we go on to the, the final part of uh, today's show, which is us going uh, back to this document that none of us can find, uh, which is uh, the, the the Scotland memorable matches. Um, what number this is? 18. We have, is this 18? Okay, yep. this is 18. So maybe Craig Cairns does have access. To I don't. Um, I think Fowler put it in the WhatsApp the other day. I, I took a note of ah, it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, we're recording this on uh, Monday the 11th of October. We're, we're going back... Uh, 43 years and 364 days to the October October 12th, 1977 uh, Silver Lady by David Soul is number one in the charts and the film Julia is number one in the box office Did you Me see, no, I didn't know either of them either but did you see what was at number three in the charts? No. Yes sir, I can boogie Wow, I did that is uh, well, it's not a co- it's not a coincidence but like yeah, that's, that's pretty neat that's pretty yeah. neat um, so uh, this game uh, was uh, the World Cup qualifying encounter uh, between Scotland and Wales, taking place at Anfield uh, because there had been um, crowd problems at Ninian Park in in Cardiff uh, with you know, the game between uh, Wales and Yugoslavia previously, and so uh, I think the, the Welsh police said that you can have you can have the game there, but it's much reduced capacity. And uh, Wales uh, didn't want to play the, uh, the racehorse ground where there'd been a nil-nil draw uh, in Wrexham uh, early, just a few months earlier uh, between Scotland and Wales. Uh, and so instead, they decided to take it to Anfield. Uh, and that was a, probably a bad decision for, for Wales as there was 51,000 people in attendance. And the, there's an estimation that the ratio of uh, Scotland fans to Welsh was about five to one. Um, so that kind of backfired and I think a lot I think there seems to be lots of interviews with Welsh former Welsh internationals uh, from that period who uh, are fairly uh, pissed off with uh, the the Football Association of Wales um, for taking the money basically and and, uh, going to Anfield as opposed to maybe trying somewhere in Bristol or even Wembley was touted at one point as a a particular venue Um, so yeah quite quite an interesting thing but and also it's good to know that uh, it's not just the SFA that um, 
that annoy players and fans of their uh, own respective nations. But yeah, so this game was 2-0 to, to Scotland. Um, so this was, uh, have a look at the stats. This was Scotland's 407th competitive game. Uh, and this, But this was their 59th win over Wales. Uh, where they had uh, 20 draws and 15 defeats. So we've really had uh, over an air of superiority over Wales for, for a number of years. And as mentioned, we played them in May and drawn nil-nil at the racehorse ground. But uh, this was the, the game that secured our passage to, to Argentina. It was... You mentioned about the fans there. It really stands out from the highlights just how fucking packed it is. It's not just full. It's like spilling onto the pitch full. Uh, it does yeah. not look safe at all. And reading some of the accounts of some Welsh fans, they like, not only were they outnumbered, they like, they're at a home game and they're like, being intimidated by standing next to Scotsmen and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, it really was an own goal. But you mentioned Wembley there as a perf- as a as a possible other venue. Scotland fans would have just descended on that as well. Probably more of them would have yeah, went if it was at Wembley. Tried to worked out a venue that was quite difficult. I think Bristol is pretty difficult for Scotland fans to get to, like you know, relatively speaking. But uh, yeah, I think Wembley Wembley would have probably much of the same. I would imagine probably just even more Scottish people. But yeah, I think that um, Di Davis, who was in goals for Wales that day, like said that it was they knew how big an air it was when they got off the, the team bus outside Anfield <laughs> and basically that was just swarming with Scotland fans and like the whole way to the ground was just all Scotland fans and they realised that uh, they'd basically given up home advantage. Yeah, and this was, to give a wee bit more context, this was a time when there were both four-team and three-team groups. We were in a three-team group with Wales and uh, Czech Republic, sorry, and the way this worked out was yeah as you said this match pretty much came down as a became a decider between Scotland and Wales yeah and um, it was decided even though there was a second goal uh, not long after it was decided with we'll just jump to it because I think it's the main thing to talk about and you've already alluded to them being pissed off and still being pissed off about this Uh, and that's Joe Jordan's handball to win a penalty for Scotland when the referee thinks it's come off the Wales defender's hand. The I've watched I've watched two different uh, highlights packages of this, and one of them has Scottish commentary. I think it's Archie McPherson. It really sounds like Archie McPherson, and he's just like, "Yes, one hundred percent. The referee's completely right there." <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're completely wrong there, Archie. Yeah, the, I, I think it was uh, it was in, it was David Coleman's commentary that I was watching, um, but they had Bob Wilson who is nominally Scottish or he was a Scottish goalkeeper uh, despite the English accent uh, and uh, he was convinced on first sight that it was a it was definite penalty and then he was like oh well um, um, yeah maybe <laughs> maybe it is and um, there's no doubt about it uh, Jordan did handle the ball uh, but they decided to it's kind of like a it was just a strange technique to you because he was just like like it wasn't like he pushed it towards the goal he pushed it just behind him back to further to, to further on in the in the box but I think that uh, it seemed like that was that was kind of the death nail for, for Wales it was like the, the highlights package I watched it was Scotland started the game really well um, Kenny Dalglish had a, a missed a 1-1 chance where he was kind of clipped by the, the goalkeeper but stayed on his feet too honest and then but then <laughs> the, the, you didn't get the penalty um, but I, I, going back to like people that talk about football in the 70s being of a higher standard uh, than, than currently have a look at this game in terms of just 
there are a remarkable amount of one-footed players uh, playing international football. But also, even even Kenny Dalglish's first touch, a lot of the time, is pretty ropey. Like, like I was quite, uh, you know, you you watch things like, and you have not, and I must have seen the highlights from this game ages ago. But it was, it was noticeable from because I rewatched the Scotland. Israel highlights just before this, so like it was like, and obviously the the quality, uh, yeah, was 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 <laughs> was quite different. Yeah, it's it was a totally end to end game. Like it was, re- it looked like a really exciting game. And I bet if you were one of the fifty one thousand there or uh, watching at home, it was as equally as terrifying as most Scotland matches are as a as a Scotland fan. But uh, yeah, it it was entertaining, but like kind of you could tell it was quite tense and it was a very open game. And Wales came. Mu- came uh, back into uh, there was a great save from Alan Ruff where he, he tipped a, a, a shot from John Toshak onto onto the bar but uh, yeah it was a, a game massively decided by uh, that that uh, penalty to Scotland which which Don Nasson uh, slotted away pretty pretty convincingly and then uh, about oh, about less than 10 minutes later in the 87th minute Kenny Dalglish superb header uh, across from Martin, uh, from Martin Buchan who'd received the ball from Lou McCary um, and a you know, free header against it and, and, and Scotland as they said in country Scotland were on their way to Argentina and Wales had pretty much assumed that they were going to win this game and they were going to be the ones going to Argentina apparently the players had been talking about visiting Patagonia and all these kind of things before it and then we sucked up all that hubris and took it, <laughs> multiplied it by a hundred and took it to Argentina with us. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's, it was. I was looking at um, this kind of Scotland's uh, fixtures that 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 summer because the summer uh, before the World Cup, they they did they went on a tour of South America and they included a, a so they played Chile, Argentina, and Brazil that summer. Um, but uh, that that Chile game was obviously very controversial because they, they played at a, a ground that was uh, used for for mass killings, which is lovely. Uh, and then also they went to play against the the Argent- Argentina. And we drew at the the uh, uh, Boca Juniors Stadium uh, a one all draw. But that was also a, a, you know a time under where Argentina was under military uh, junta. Um, so we should have been set up much better for 1978. But I think as we've previously stated, uh, things didn't quite go to plan. No, no, they didn't. They didn't. But one of the interesting things I, which I didn't know about before I started researching this game, was that Joe, Joe Jordan's never admitted handling the ball. Um, she, yeah, he just gave up, mate. Like, like, it's, like I don't know what it uh, like because that was one of the uh, interviews with Di Davis is still furious and like yeah. trying to twenty twelve. Like, he's still furious him at the next game and stuff like that, and it's like. Um, I spoke, yeah, it was like, yeah. The Welsh Thierry hand Henry goes up as well, though, Thierry doesn't Henry it? at least came out straight away. Yeah. You know, like that. <laughs> but the, the Welsh hand, the Welsh defender's hand goes up at the same time, doesn't it? I mean, it's not yeah. like the referees just thought... Pulled out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a, yeah, it's a, you can see why it was given, but you can also rage at the injustice, which I would do if I was a Welsh Of course, fan, I'd be but, furious. Um, I'd be absolutely furious. But there was this blog that I found where this guy was writing about his experience and he details some of the things that we've been talking about there, about how, how when he 
drove into Liverpool. He just saw it absolutely flooded with Scotland fans, and he was thinking to himself, "This is supposed to be a home game." Uh, he, <laughs> towards the end of his uh, his blog, he says, "To this day, Jordan remains the most detested figure in Welsh football history." Terry Yorath describes how the toothless cheat would deny it to his dying days, which may be necessary if, by some cruel fate, the sad event should occur in the presence of somebody from Wales. They're still fucking fuming at it. 24 years tomorrow, Duncan. No, what is it? 34 years no, tomorrow. No, 44. 44 years tomorrow. I can't even do maths. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's why uh, I, I always quite enjoy beating the whales. And we could, and we might even get them. Uh, I think they could be unseeded if we carry on and we, we were seeded. So potentially playing them in the, in the, in the playoffs to, to get to Qatar. Maybe that, maybe... That, let's be honest, we know what's going to happen in the script that's going to play out and Gareth Bale is going to handball uh, a goal and uh, VAR <laughs> will not be working and uh, such and such and so there we go. But uh, yeah, Craig, thank you very much for, for joining me today. That's uh, been a, an enjoyable Monday uh, talking about all things Scotland. Uh, I'm sure there'll be people uh, on the podcast later on this week talking, uh, breaking down uh our glorious uh, one-all draw with the Pharaohs uh, coming up but uh, and again if you want to hear more from us uh, the Patreon the patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast has a podcast a day full of uh, really interesting different stuff uh, and obviously we're also part of the review from the Terrace Network uh, where there's podcast galore coming in your ears and uh, if you've not subscribed already get on that but uh, Craig just like to thank you for your time today Cheers, Duncan. That was a pleasure. And uh, I'm Duncan McKay, and we'll, we'll see you later on. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.